All right. Welcome in episode two of Sam and Gabby's Fantasy Football Show. We appreciate you guys joining us today. Uh, second episode here. Excited to be here. I'm Samuel Bigelow. My co-host here is Gabby Mozipo. Uh, How's it going? What we're going to talk about today, just a quick rundown, is we're going to start with the game reaction for the first game of the NFL season. Uh, Buccaneers versus the Cowboys. Excited to have NFL football back. So we'll break that down a little bit, talk about what we saw there. We are recording on Thursday night just following that game, so it's an instant reaction. Uh, but, yeah, we're excited to have football back and excited to talk about it. So we'll do that. Then we'll get into a news section here. Then we'll do a start-sit for some each position here, and uh, we'll each have a, a guy you wouldn't expect um, necessarily to be a starter, a guy that we think will finish higher than maybe people are expecting uh, this week. And then we'll do the same for season long, we'll each pick a couple guys who we think are going to finish higher than people are expecting. Maybe some season long sleepers uh, going into the year, maybe some trade targets or some bench stashes or things like that, or just guys that maybe you might, you might not expect that we think are going to pop off this year. So we'll have that finish up with a couple questions, talk a little bit about Arizona's offense and a little bit about some defensive streamers, uh, but that'll be an episode. So first things first, jumping right in. Cowboys versus Buccaneers. Cowboys 29, Buccaneers 31. A lot closer than people thought. A lot closer than I think the spread was somewhere around eight or nine for this game. Something big um, was completely unexpected to be that close. Came down to the final two minutes. Uh, top fantasy performers, Amari Cooper, Dak, Dak Prescott, CeeDee Lamb. Uh, on the other side, Gronk, Brady and Antonio Brown, the best receiver fantasy wise for the Bucks this game. So, Gabby, what what are your takeaways from this game tonight? Dak is back. I I, I think <laughs> the shoulder is fine. The ankle looked great. Um, the Cowboys looked the offense as a whole, but I think it's official now. Last year we saw it for a stretch of games, and then Dak busted his ankle. But it's officially Dak's team anymore. The team doesn't run through Ezekiel Elliott anymore. I think it was a down game, and I think that was foreseen. So if someone is low on Zeke in your league, I think this would be the time to pounce. The Bucks have one of the best rush defenses dating back to last year. So this poor performance without Zach Martin was very foreseen. Um, but Dak puts the team on his back. C.D. Lamb and Mari Cooper had very nice performances. C.D. coming in with 15 targets, seven catches, 104 yards, and one touchdown. We see we saw C.D. Lamb in a variety of places today, lining up in the slot, lining up in the X and the Y, and also in the backfield a little bit, seeing his versatility. I think um, Dak made a plan and an effort to get him the ball in open space just to see what he can do, just so as he's such a good playmaker and Amari Cooper being the route runner, he is Dak definitely looked to get him the ball. So I think having any piece of the Cowboys offense right now is a key to fantasy success on the other side of the ball, the Buccaneers, Tom Brady and gang really did perform again. Chris Godwin and AB and Gronk all had very solid performances, but I think the talking point that we need to really discuss here is Mike Evans. The five-point performance, I or not even five, three-point performances, I apologize. Five in PPR, 3.9 and a half-point PPR. Um, I foresee a lot of those coming. Um, watching the game, he just – it didn't seem like Tom was looking at him the way that A.B. was. A.B. was getting a lot of space, and 
last year we thought that this was going to be the way it was going to show out. Chris Godwin was going to be the guy across the middle and AB was going to be the guy across the short. And Mike Evans last year just caught a bunch of touchdowns and kind of a lot of one yard, a lot of two yard touchdowns. And I think that's going to come back and bite him this year. So Mike Evans is definitely a fade for me. And I think this game showed it. I'm definitely not as well, I guess it's, it's to, to explain it. Uh, I'm not as concerned about Mike Evans as you are um, just because I already was concerned going into the year. Um, all three of those top receivers in Tampa Bay, Brown, Godwin, and Evans, those three all have, if on just any team, they all have top 20 potential, um, top 10 potential even. Uh, but since they all play together, I think it's going to be week to week who gets, who gets used. Um, if the Cowboys hadn't got so lucky, their defense is still, still very bad. I think uh, they got some very lucky turnovers um, in this game. And that's, I think the reason that they, kept it so close and that's for sure the reason that Tom Brady got two interceptions but um that I think is part of the reason that the the Buccaneers had to throw so much and I think it just happened to be this game they targeted Brown and Godwin and I I definitely don't feel confident that is going to continue that way so if I'm a Brown or Godwin owner I am happy that it did it did fall this way uh because there there could for sure be somebody who emerges as the the go-to guy and so far, it looks like it's probably going to be Brown or Godwin, but I'm not I'm not sold just off this week one performance. I think that you're never going to be able to predict who is used in this offense. Um, similar to the Chiefs um, were a couple of years ago when they had Tyree Kill and then a bunch of other fast guys. You know, you never knew who was going to get – who else was going to join Tyree Kill in, in fantasy productivity, but you knew somebody was. And I think that could very well happen with the Buccaneers – um, just, I think somebody could emerge in that Tyreek Hill esque uh, role, uh, fantasy wise, where they they are the go to. But I'm not I'm not sure who that is, and I definitely don't think it's not going to be Mike Evans just based off of one one game. Um, he very well and probably is the most talented of those three receivers. Um, I think it just shook out this way. I'm not overly concerned. Um, on the Dallas side, I had a a very small league where I was considering whether or not to start Amari Cooper. And I was concerned and I did not do it sadly because uh, he did very well tonight, but I did not start him partially due to the fact that I was concerned about the Buccaneers defense being a very good one for one. They had a couple of big injuries during the game, but also I was a little bit concerned about Dak Prescott. And like Gabby said, Dak Prescott looked really good tonight, really good tonight. So um, if you drafted one of those Cowboys receivers, I think you should be, very happy. And, and I do agree with Gabby. I do think this is an outlier. They were trying to come back uh, for, for an outlier for Zeke. That is, I think, I think uh, Zeke is definitely a buy low candidate. And that was a really good point to make. Um, anything else you had to add on that, Gabby? Um, in the regard of the Bucks receivers and the Cowboys receivers, those are two of the top five offenses. I honestly think, those were the best receiving cores. Um, the two best receiving cores in the NFL that we saw on display here today. And I think uh, from a fantasy perspective, we obviously were starting Cooper, Lamb, and Godwin. But I now – this might be a little bit of an overreaction, but I think now Mike Evans is now in that flex category moving forward. And if I have somehow had Mike Evans – 
or Antonio Brown on my team in a PPR format, I'm going AB just because I think he's going to get more receptions in a game. I'm going AB too as well, um, just because I think Mike Evans, like you said, is probably a little bit more big play dependent. Um, but yeah, I, I agree on that. I would probably go AB for now. So moving on to the news section. There has been quite a bit of news since we talked last. Um, starting off with somebody we did talk about last episode, but there's been some updates on. Trey Lance, uh, as you may remember, had a small chip in his finger, um, according to Kyle Shanahan, last week or a couple weeks ago. He was supposed to be only out for a week, um, but that timeline has been extended, and he's still not guaranteed for week one. Uh he did resume throwing and did ramp up um, his, the amount of throwing he was doing and the amount of practicing he was yesterday on Wednesday or yesterday, which was Wednesday. So he is starting to come back, but he may not be playing week one. We may not see any Trey Lance packages. Um, hoping that we do, but there is a chance that he is limited um, and there's a chance or, and there has obviously been many reps that he's been missing in the time that he has been out. So for me, I still have Trey Lance as a sleeper, but I'm significantly lower. If you're holding on to him, like we, I suggested, um, drafting him late in your fantasy drafts or getting him cheap, uh, I suggested doing that. I'm now not as high on that situation. If there's nobody on the waiver wire that you think really has a chance to pop off week one or is really catching your eye, I'd still, still hold on to him. I'm personally still holding on to Trey Lance in a lot of leagues um, just because, you know, there is still that chance. But I do think the chance of him coming in and taking over that starting role um, sooner is now lessened due to the time he's missed and uh, the time he's given Garoppolo to take a hold of that role. But uh, Gabby, did you, what's your take on that situation? Did you, does this update affect it in any way? Um, no, not really. I was a proponent of holding Trey Lance in IR situations. I was higher on Justin Fields going in than I, uh, stated earlier last podcast that I thought there was a good chance that Jimmy Garoppolo held onto this job for the, the rest of the year. So um, nothing that really changed my overall perspective on it, but um, it might have actually strengthened it, if not of anything. Yeah, I, I agree. I've changed now from um, having Trey Lance favored to now favoring Justin Fields, just because I do think Justin Fields is guaranteed to get on the field early. So um yeah, moving on from that situation, we got the amazing Baltimore running back situation. Everybody knows J.K. Dobbins about a week or two ago goes down with an ACL. Uh, then we, of course, now Gus Edwards today, we find out tears an ACL. It's turmoil there. They've now got on their roster, they've got Tyson Williams, Trenton Cannon, Le'Veon Bell, and Devonta Freeman's on the practice squad uh, to be brought up. Uh, recently cut Latavius Murray, uh, recently cut from New Orleans. Latavius Murray is reportedly in conversations to potentially sign with Baltimore. Um, I think that will likely get done just because of how desperate Baltimore is now. Um, Gabby, what's your take on this situation? Are you interested in any of these running backs? Is there anybody who thinks going to take over this role? I'm interested in Tyson Williams a lot. Um, just because he's been there, I think this week they're going to give him an opportunity to put, get him work. And versus the Raiders' defensive line, that outside of Max Crosby isn't very much of anything to get outside of. Um, 
also their linebacking court isn't that good. They did just sign KJ Wright, but he is a little bit past his prime years now. So I think that's a plus matchup. And I think the rushing game has a chance to be really good in that game. So I think Tyson Williams is a guy to get if you get any of those Baltimore running backs. I'm not really as high on Le'Veon Bell as other people are. I think there's a chance he could be the pass catcher, but Greg Roman has shown when he's been an offensive coordinator that he doesn't use the pass uh, running backs to catch the ball whatsoever. Um, and I don't think that cha- changes now that Le'Veon Bell um, passed his prime. Le'Veon Bell is now his um, running back. So I think outside of Tyson Williams, you can stay away from that backfield. I do think this ups the value of Lamar a little bit, but also kind of scares me from a fan perspective that um, he might take a beating this year. Yeah, I definitely agree. I, I agree that Lamar is going to get an increased carry load this year, unfortunately, um, for his <laughs> his health, likely. Um, but I that's going to be great for fantasy this year. But long term, we'll see. Um, I also am interested in Latavius Murray. I've picked him up in a couple leagues just based off the rumors, just because I do think he is the most talented running back likely in that group. Um, and we've seen over the years, unfortunately for running backs, that a, a guy off the street can get the job done at least well enough for the most part, usually. So uh, might not be great for fantasy, but if one of these guys comes in and is able to just get the job done for Baltimore, I could see them making them their bell, bell cow um, and having a solid guy for fantasy. But I don't expect any superstars to come from this. That's for sure. Um, moving on to our next piece of news, Austin Eckler. He's got a calf tweak, tweaked his calf and injury. Um, the only thing that I really want to say is that makes me nervous. Um, and definitely pick up Justin Jefferson. If you, if you own Eckler, I think he, you need to be owning his handicap because hamstrings, they seem to they seem to stick around. Once you tweak it, they always seem to stick around. Um, Gabby, did you have anything to add or anything about this situation? Yeah, um, Austin Eckler, the hamstring is dating back to last season. Um, I don't know if I'm as scared of it as you, just because a couple hours before the injury report came out, he posted a picture on Twitter with the caption saying, I "Haven't felt better." And Austin Eckler is one of the most avid fantasy football players in the NFL, if not the most avid fantasy football player in the NFL. He has a fantasy football league that he hosts, multiple fantasy football leagues. He has a podcast dedicated to fantasy football. So I think when he makes a post like that, he knows most of his followers are fantasy football people. And I think he takes that into account. So I think it might have been more of a like a protection uh proactive matter more than anything but it is something to monitor just because it is a hamstring issue and those things do flare up and it kind of ruined his season last year because he was supposed to break out last year there was nothing stopping him from his breakout season and when he played he played really well but to be able to score fantasy points you got to be able to play in the games and he just had a problem doing that last year and uh for the record i'm I'm still holding Austin Eckler. If you have him, if you drafted him, I'm not trying to get rid of him actively. Maybe, maybe his value goes down ever, ever so slightly, but that's it. Um, and I, I, I'm not, I think maybe that social media post is 
maybe a little bit of uh, him trying to speak truth to power, you know, maybe him just saying what he wants to be true, uh, that he's totally fine for sure. Cause you know, I'm sure that's what he wants. Uh, but I just don't know if I buy that that's true. And all I'm doing is just kind of sitting over here freaking out about it. I'm not probably taking too many actions in the actual, uh, real life fantasy world other than picking up Justin Jackson. But uh, yeah, I I'm, I'm sweating a little bit more if I'm Austin Eckler's owner, which uh, I am. So that's great. Uh, Anyways, moving on to the next, to the next uh, and final piece of news here, a little bit less of a high profile thing, but just because we talked about him in the last episode um, so glowingly uh, Curtis Samuel, he has retweaked his groin injury that, has been a problem for him all off season. He hasn't been practicing finally was practicing again, I believe this week. Um, and then yesterday or today he did pull up um, during running a route and he has been out of practice um, since. And he is, his status is now he's unlikely to play in week one. Um, he's a wide receiver that I thought had a really good opportunity this year, but I don't think he's so good that I'm going to be holding him um, where there's so many good guys out there week one that could break out. I'm not holding Curtis Samuel. If you have Curtis Samuel in your league and it's not a super deep league, I'm probably getting rid of him and picking up somebody else. There's lots of good receivers on the, on the waiver wire. Some of them that we'll mention uh, later, but you're likely to have at least a Colts wide receiver on your, on your waiver wire. That might be better. Um, a better week one flyer or a rookie or a second year guy. Um, if you're just looking for a flyer receiver that might break out and be something special. So Curtis Samuel, I just don't think he's worth holding on your bench to find out what happens with this groin injury because he's hurt. He was on his way back and it is now a setback that is going, it's an indefinite setback at this point. So I am out on Curtis Samuel for now, uh, which is sad because I was so high on him as a sleeper, but I am out now. Um, Gabby, did you have a different take? Did you have anything to add to that? Um, no, not really. I think there's still might be a little bit of hope for him. And depending on your situation, I think. Actually, I don't know. I think it's now. Like, it's pretty oh, tough to let me let me ask you a question here. Let me ask you a couple questions here. Yeah, uh, just true, either true. or. Um, would you go with a guy like either Elijah Moore or would or Elijah Moore or Curtis Samuel? Mm-hmm. Well, I'd go with Elijah Moore just because he's going to play week one. Um, and I might be able to see what he's going to do. And if he does, I'm going to be able to see if he's at least involved. I, I, can't, I, just, I just don't feel that I can wait around for a maybe. Um, you know, I, I did say that with Trey Lance that I'm willing to wait week one um, because, you know, he's, he's a top three pick in the NFL. So that's the only reason I'm willing to wait a little bit longer than maybe I would have for other players, but a player like Curtis Samuel, yes, they did invest in Washington did invest in him in the off season, but he's just not, not enough for me to think that when he does come back healthy, he's just going to for sure just jump into that role. I would much rather pick up a guy like Elijah Moore, like one of the Colts receivers, and see what they do week one, week two, and maybe have a guy for the rest of the season at that point, rather than waiting until week one, week two, or week three at best 
we don't know when Curtis Samuel will be back, but week two or week three at best when Curtis Samuel would be back potentially. Um, and then starting to find out that's I'm already behind. I'm already behind everybody else in the league who have been picking up and finding uh, other guys who broke out in week one or week two or week three or whatever. So for me, that's why I'm out on Curtis Samuel, just because he's not guaranteed to come back and take over that role. Just because there are other weapons in Washington um, that are, that are good. And I don't think that I don't, I do think that when he comes back, he could very well be used, but I'm just not willing to wait that long is the long and short of it, I guess. All righty. Yeah. I, I agree with you there. I think Elijah Moore is definitely um, a better option there. And both the Colts wide receivers, I think we'll get a little bit into that later, but I think those are both of those guys are definitely better ads um, this yeah, and, week and into the future than Curtis Samuel right now. Yeah. And I mean, Elijah Moore specifically has a shot to be the number one in New York's offense. Um, and I, I personally think Zach, uh, Zach Wilson's the best rookie quarterback this year. So, why not take a shot on on a on the number one receiver in an offense? He might not be, but he also might be. So why not take the shot? All right. Moving on to our next segment here, start sits. All right. So to begin with, I'm gonna let Gabby go first. We'll do QBs first, move down the line. Gabby, who is your QB start this week? Uh QB start this week is Mr. Ryan Tannehill, um, he is playing Arizona, a very a team that I think is going to be very poor this year. Uh, the linebacker, the defense is, and I think that the cornerback play is led by Malcolm Butler and Byron Murphy. Uh, my, Byron Murphy likes to play on the in the slot, while Mike, Malcolm Butler is an outside corner. But I think this week, I, uh, Ryan Tannehill is going to be able to. It's going to be a high-scoring game, and that's going to have Ryan Tan or require Ryan Tannehill to throw the ball across the yard. Okay, I I agree with that. I think it's going to be high-scoring as well. I think I think Kyler Murray is going to put up points. I just don't know if I believe in that defense, which is the Arizona defense, which is a, a good thing for Ryan Tannehill, obviously. So. Uh, I think that's a good call. Uh, my start of the week this week, obviously a guy that isn't necessarily in the top 10, but Ryan Fitzpatrick, um, he's playing the Chargers this week, um, which is a team that it doesn't have the most stellar defense. I think it's a, a bottom half defense probably against the pass. Uh, but in last year, in every game he started, uh, he, and every game he started and finished, that is, Ryan Fitzpatrick was over 20 fantasy points which is awesome. I do think that the Washington football team is not going to be so good that they're going to be far ahead of anybody. So I think they're always going to be having to be on the ball, throwing it, um, playing fast enough. Um, I don't think they'll be running the clock out too, too often. So I do think that he's going to get the option to throw most games, and I don't think this game will be any different. Um, so Ryan Fitzpatrick, I think, is for sure um, a good option this week. Um, for QB. Uh, moving on to running backs. Gabby, who do we got for your running back start of the week? Running back start of the week is going to be uh, Mr. Raheem Mostert. He's playing the Detroit Lions. This guy is one of the best home run hitters in the league. Uh, playing the Detroit Lions, a very poor defense, and he doesn't require a lot of touches to be, act, um, to be very good. Um, last year, 
he went off for uh, 12 touches for 23 fantasy points um, in PPR format. Just shows kind of his uh, ability to be explosive on the go. Um, also, with Raheem Mostert, I think the, uh, the San Francisco 49ers are going to be up big early, and I think the defense is going to swarm the Detroit Lions. I think they are also a good defensive ad. But, and I think they're going to have to run the ball a lot. Uh, Kyle Shanahan loves running the ball. He's always had running backs. He's had an RB1 six out of the last 10 years, I believe. Um, he didn't have one last year, but um, last couple, uh, a couple, two out of the last three years, he was able to have one. So I think this year he'll get back on track. And I think Raheem Moster is going to be that guy. I am uh, I am nervous about Raheem Mostert's durability is the only reason why I think that anybody would be nervous about having him on their roster. I think he'll be great this week. Um, I just have concerns about the future, but I think this week, especially against the Lions, um, he's they're just going to run all over him this week. So I definitely think for this week, Mostert is a great play. Gabby, did you have something else to add? Yeah, I think that's a great point with the Raheem Mostert durability. That's why I also think he's a start this week as opposed <laughs> to in week eight um, when yeah. he's not as fresh. So I think he's going to have his best games early, and I think that's when you need to start him as well as opposed to when his ankle doesn't feel as right and he's going to leave six snaps into his week six of performance. Mm-hmm. Yeah, while he's healthy, get him out there. I'm, I'm fully with you there. Uh, moving on to my start of the week. A guy that's uh, probably a little bit more nerve-wracking to play, but a guy that I think is going to take over his backfield this year, Chase Edmonds for the Arizona Cardinals. They're playing the Tennessee Titans. We already talked about a player in this matchup, uh, but they're playing the Tennessee Titans, so we we, we do think it's going to be a fairly high-scoring game. I don't think either defense is all that great, especially um, against the running backs. Tennessee was a bottom 10 defense last year for fantasy against running backs. Uh, So I do think that Chase Edmonds got a good shot to get a fair amount of points. Um, And I think it's going to be a close game and a high scoring game. So I think they will be passing the ball and the running back who I think for sure will be involved the most for Arizona in the past game is Chase Edmonds. I could see in a game where maybe they're running the clock out a little bit more or trying to maybe just do a little bit more ground and pound. I could see how a smaller guy like Chase Edmonds get, gets phased out but in a game like this I do think they're going to be throwing the ball and Chase Edmonds last year even with uh, Kenyon Drake they were really trying to make Kenyon Drake their running back one last year so even with him on the roster Edmonds had four more targets in 10 game in in 10 games uh, last year so um, even being RB2 he was getting targets um, and those targets is to help you establish a, a minimum baseline and I think he's only in line for more now that he's the the running back one in Arizona. That's a good point. All right. Gabby, your wide receiver start this week. My wide receiver start this week is Sir Michael Pittman Jr. Uh, out of Indianapolis. He's playing Seattle at home this week. Uh, I just wanted to give a quick uh disclaimer here i am an avid colts fan so this might come up as a little bit of bias but i I don't think it is so but michael Pittman is playing the seahawks who had one of the worst pass defense in nfl history last year i think through 
at least 10 weeks, they're on pace to break the Saints record for the most passing yards allowed in NFL history. And you know what they decided to do this offseason? Let go of their number one corner. So they gave me no reason to believe that their pass defense is going to get any better. They also lost KJ Wright, a guy who's really good at zone coverage. So Michael Pittman, a guy who makes his living off the yak, the yards after catch, third in the NFL with 6.9 yards uh, yards after catch. Um, I think he's just going to have a big day. I also think Paris Campbell, side note, is not, not also a nice start here versus the Seahawks in a game that I think is going to be high scoring and Carson Wentz is back. Also, another disclaimer, I think that Michael Pittman, when you drafted him, you got him a, a pretty good bargain given that people thought at the time Jacob Eason was going to have to be the quarterback. So he's probably sitting just sitting on your roster. And I think you should start him over the likes of Jerry Judy, T. Higgins, um, any of the Cincinnati Bengals receivers, Claypool, any not Deontay Johnson, but Juju, Juju Smith-Schuster, just to give a couple names of guys I would start. Um, yeah, I would – sorry, I didn't mean to cut you off there. Do you have anything else to add? No. Okay, yeah, so I would agree with all those guys you said. I would start Pittman over all those. I think uh, the only thing I would add is that uh, Carson Wentz is a good quarterback. I believe that. I think Gabby believes that. Um, he was on track to be the MVP a couple years ago, and he is going to have to throw the ball to somebody. They don't really have any stud tight ends there. And the Seahawks are a good team um, in every way other than the pass defense, so I think the Colts are going to have to pass to keep up, and I think they're going to be able to do that. So somebody has to catch the ball. I think uh, one of the guys that you mentioned, Paris Campbell or Michael Pittman, uh, is going to break out. It's just a matter of who. Um and I do think if I had to put my money on either one, it would be Pittman as well. So I think that's a great pick and a great start this week. Uh, moving on to my start of the week, also a little bit of a homer pick. I am a, a Cleveland Browns fan, and I am picking Odell Beckham Jr., a guy that disappointed fantasy fans a lot last year. Um, I think he is going to be a great start this week. He is playing Kansas City, a team that doesn't have a stellar pass defense. It's improved over the last few years, and I would expect it to probably improve a little bit again this year, but I don't expect it to be uh, a world beater by any means. Uh, and I do think that the Browns are going to have to throw the ball. I don't think this is going to be a game that's low scoring. I mean, it involves Kansas City, so um, it's probably going to be fairly high scoring. Um, and I do think that Odell Beckham gets more involved than people give him credit for. Um, granted, he was only in six full games last year, but in all of those six games, he had only one game with less than six targets, which is a pretty large target share, um, considering that, you know, only one game with that less than that baseline, six targets. If you get six targets and somehow don't get more than 10 points, uh, you're doing something impressively wrong. So it, I think that baseline is underrated. And I think that the only the reason that the only the the way he wasn't producing last year was very unlikely to continue. Um, just very unlikely for him to keep catching those underneath low yardage routes. So I think he's going to regress more than mean. 
when getting those six targets, I think he's going to be getting start getting more yards off those, hopefully more touchdowns um, that I'm less confident about. But I think he's a great start this week. Um, if you're looking for somebody that's outside of the traditional guys, if you need somebody and you're kind of scraping the bottom, potentially, I th- not that Odell's all the way down there, but I think Odell Beckham still has as top receiving talent. Um, and I think he's a great start at wide receiver this week. Personally, I would start him all over all of the guys we mentioned um, starting uh, our previous guy over Michael Pittman. Um, and I would actually start him probably over. Nah, no, I would start Pittman over him, but I do think it's fairly close. So I think that both Odell and Michael Pittman are about in the same area. I think you can say that he's about that level this week. I think that's fair to say, Sam. Odell Beckham is going to be in a high shooting matchup this week. I think this is going to be game of the game of the week with the Browns versus Chiefs. So I think it's going to be a shootout. And Baker's got his guy back. And what we know about Baker is he loves throwing to his mega superstar wide receiver. And as much as that might be bad for regular football, it's really good for fantasy. So I like starting Odell in this week. And um, I think this is getting me – um, making me want to start Odell over Juju Smith Schuster in one of my leagues. Personally, I would for sure. Uh, I don't think too highly of Juju this week, but uh, sneak peek, we'll get it, be getting into that a little bit later. So I won't talk too much on that at the moment. But um, moving on to your final start of the week, Gabby, your tight end. Who you got this week? Um, I actually have uh, a different tight end. It's going to be Zach Ertz, a teammate of my previous pick, Dallas Goddard. Wow. Um, and I call it an audible. Yeah, an audible. <laughs> and that's because actually after doing a little bit more research, I think Zach Ertz is more of the, of the start here. And that's because I think he's back. Um, earlier this week, Wednesday, he came out with a statement saying he's back and better with the Philadelphia Eagles yada, 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 and whatever. I think that's important, though, because I think Philadelphia, over the offseason, we saw that there was great turmoil in the locker room through that athletic um, article. And he was hurt last year. He got hurt um, throughout the middle of the season. He came back. But when he came back with Jalen Hurts, Jalen Hurts still looked for him. He had six or more targets in the last three games. So he was being looked for by Jalen. Um and I think that continues with a strong matchup versus Atlanta. I think that's going to be a high scoring game where both of those secondaries won't be able to stop those wide receiver cores. Um, I think Zach Ertz is going to be a big part of that offense. Nick Sirianni, the offensive coordinator from Indianapolis loves running two uh, tight end sets, even if it was like Mo Alley Cox and Jack Doyle. Pretty good tight ends, but not amazing tight ends. He would roll them out there. And I think Zach Ertz still has a little bit of juice left. People forget he's pretty young still. Um, if I'm not mistaken, I think he's 39 years old. So not 39. 30. 30. He's 30 years old. <laughs> 30 years old. Sorry, my mistake. Yeah. 30 no, years old. So no worries. He's got a lot of juice left. So I think he has the ability to – Really be a big performer here. I think he's going to be a start over guys such as uh, Mike Gusecki, um Noah Fant, Evan Ingram, uh, 
John U. Smith, Hunter Henry, guys like that. I definitely think I would start Zach Hurts over that group of tight ends. You know, I I do I have to I have to dis- disagree just because I with Zach Ertz as a start this week just because I don't know I don't know who to play ever I think in this uh, this tight end group I think that Philadelphia potentially has the two best the best tight end combination in the NFL um, but it's so hard to tell if you look back at last year yeah Zach Ertz at the end of the year was getting targets but. Dallas Goddard was hurt. He got hurt and he was so he was out the last game and he was out half the second to last game. But if you try to look back earlier at the season, the beginning of the season, Dallas Goddard got hurt and Zach Ertz, he was getting a, a ton of targets at the beginning of the year. Then Zach Ertz goes down and Dallas Goddard comes back. So of course Dallas Dallas Goddard's getting all the targets. Um and so then the very brief time where they were together, it, it's Dallas Goddard slightly on the field more than, than Zach Ertz, but you could then make the argument that maybe Zach Ertz wasn't fully healthy yet and still getting in the rhythm. And so maybe that's why they were giving Dallas Goddard more uh, touches. So to me, this is just a completely uh, murky tight end room. I'm not confident <laughs> in any of in playing an Eagles tight end. I'm monitoring this situation really close, though, because like I said, those are two really talented tight ends. I think Dallas Goddard is the better tight end the better choice for the Eagles long-term. And I think he has the better potential in to make bigger plays, um, which I think is important for fantasy. I just don't know if you're ever going to be able to tell which one. Uh, if it were me this week, I'd probably go Dallas Goddard. But if you told me you are, um, you are telling me, but you, you telling me that Zach Ertz is going to be better makes me lean maybe towards Zach Ertz. I'm that 50, 50 between the two. I really don't have a strong opinion but like I said, if I had to pick one, it would be Dallas Goddard, just because I do think he's slightly better t- tight end now, um, and he's younger um, and has more room to develop. And this is also his year three, which in the past has been somewhat of a breakout year for tight ends. Um, not that really many tight ends break out because we really only have three great ones um, anyways, but sometimes year three is the year, so maybe this is going to be a year for Dallas Goddard. But again, I'm not not feeling any excitement this week or this this week for the Eagles tight ends. The only saving grace and the, a reason that you might take a shot on one is Atlanta's defense is terrible. So I can't blame you for that. Um, I do wouldn't be doing it personally, but definitely don't think it's the worst choice ever. My tight end uh, start of the week this week is. Pretty pretty obscure as well, and we talked about him last week, so I won't say too much just because we spent a while talking about him in our previous podcast. But uh, Tyler Higby, he's my start of the week this week. Uh, just real quick, why? No more Gerald Everett. Like I said, I think Gerald Everett and him splitting targets made one good tight end into two bad tight ends for fantasy. So hopefully it becomes that one good, good tight end for fantasy um, in Tyler Higby. Um, and I think they're, the Rams this week are going to want to show off their new QB, Matt Stafford, in his first game. I think he's really going to want to show off that it's going to be a success. I think they're going to want to make a statement. Um, so I do think they will be throwing the ball, even though I think they are better than the Bears fairly significantly. I think that they will try to put up some points. Um, and the Bears last year, they had uh, top three worst um, defense in regards to fantasy points given up to tight ends last year. So 
Um, all signs point to Tyler Higby being having the potential to at least get a touchdown and hopefully get a few catches for you and be a usable fantasy option this week. And for him, I struggled with this, but for players like Dallas Goddard, Zach Ertz, Noah Fant, I am starting Tyler Higby over them this week. So um, that's my recommendation. But, you know, I, I can't say I feel too overly confident about it. I think it's obviously a little bit of a crapshoot when it comes to tight ends, but um, I don't think you're making a bad decision if you go with Tyler Higby this week. Yeah, me either. I think the Bears defense is a good – it's a defense that looks good on paper, but when you look at it a little bit deeper, um, the secondary is actually pretty weak. So um, I definitely think Tyler Higby is a good start here if you have um, – if you don't have one of those top four or five or six tight ends. Most definitely. All right. Moving on to our sits of the week this week. So guys that people are, most people are talking about as probable plays. We think that are on the radar for people to make plays guys that people might be making decisions on. So maybe not guys that are obvious plays, but guys that might be being considered. Um, Like we just talked about with tight ends, there's kind of a crapshoot. So guys, we think, two guys that we think are not going to be good this week, um, but that you might be considering um, start off. Oh, and again, we'll be doing each position, one person from each position for each of us, but to start off with, we'll go with Gabby's sit of the week and one that I'm a little surprised by, I must say, but Gabby, who's your sit of the week? Um, my sit of the week is Aaron Rodgers. He's playing New Orleans. at. <clears throat> I honestly don't even know where they're playing right now because Jacksonville. It, it was supposed to be in Jacksonville, but they have a there's a hurricane or something that was happening down there as of uh, yesterday. So okay, as of, I think it's still supposed to be in Jacksonville, but that's something that we need to monitor. Um, but Aaron Rodgers is playing New Orleans, a very fierce defense, and I think I think there's just better options this week. I think a lot of quarterbacks are going to come out here and throw a lot of good games and if you got Aaron Rodgers you got him in the back like you're the sixth or seventh quarterback off the board probably you probably got somebody else as well and all those guys have better matchups like for example Trevor Lawrence versus Houston I kind of like that matchup a little bit more that's ballsy um Ryan Tannehill, like I said earlier, I would start him if you somehow got Ryan Tannehill. Jalen Hurts, that's a, a terrific start if you somehow got Jalen Hurts as your – if you have Jalen Hurts as your QB2, that means you were willing to play him. And this is the week – this is the matchup you play him. Like, if you're not playing him now, then why is he on your team? Mm-hmm. So, that's my reasoning with Aaron Rodgers. I think a lot of the other quarterbacks, it's hard to say sit them when – you put in so much capital with him, but Aaron Rodgers, you don't have to have a quarterback after Aaron Rodgers, but if you picked Aaron Rodgers, I think there's a good chance you did, and there's a good chance that they have a good matchup or a better matchup than Aaron this week. Well, I am not saying that I think that Aaron Rodgers is necessarily the best start this week. I'm not saying he's top five necessarily. Um, but I think it's really close, and I, I am personally going to say I think people should be starting Aaron Rodgers if they drafted him. Um, last year, he was the MVP for a reason. He destroyed in every game. He was a star no matter what. 
Um, he had one game that was bad the entire year, and every other game he was a QB one. Um, and I, I just, I'm just not ready to say that you should sit that guy. I think he has earned the start, no matter what, unless you have some guy that is an obvious start over him. Jalen Hurd, uh, Hurd is probably or Hurts, excuse me, is probably the the closest that I would say is like uh, kind of borderline. Um, I think you go with your gut on that one because, like you said, if you somehow would have Jalen Hurts and Aaron Rodgers, I mean, what did you draft Jalen Hurts for if you're not going to play him against Atlanta? I think the, that is a great point. Um, so I think you can go with your gut on that one. But I think the only other guys I'm playing ahead of him are guys that are studs, like maybe Russell Wilson, Josh Allen, Lamar Jackson, Kyler Murray, and Patrick Mahomes. But other than that, I'm, pl- I'm playing Aaron Rodgers just because he's going to have to show me that he can't do it uh, before, I, before I don't start him, I think, um, for me personally. I think that's – yeah, I think that's fair. Um, I also wanted to add, I don't think you should go out and, like, try to find a quarterback or add a quarterback. If you – Aaron Rodgers is your only quarterback, definitely go in there with confidence. Or not confidence, but temper expectations, I think I would say. I'm definitely lower on him than projections or like, for example, ESPN projections. Um, That's fair. Would think he would score lower than that. New Orleans is a really good defense and I, I think they'll be motivated, but I think so will Aaron. Uh, but moving on uh, to my sit at quarterback this week, Justin Herbert, a guy people are really high on after how great he did as a rookie last year. Um, a team that, has a fairly poor defense, so he usually does have to throw it. I think he's in trouble this week. They're playing Washington, and to be honest, I just think that Washington is going to be one of the best defenses in the NFL this year. And I don't know if I believe that uh, – I almost said San Diego. The Chargers in L.A. this year um, are – I don't think they're going to have the firepower to necessarily be putting up points. I think week one might be a little tough with a first – First game, uh, rookie head coach, first year head coach. Um, so I don't know if I'm definitely not confident in playing Justin Herbert. He's one of those guys who could pop off any week and really put up points, but I'm trying to find something else if I have Justin Herbert. Um, I'm not maybe going down all the way to uh, maybe like a, a, a Joe Burrow, but Kirk Cousins, Matt Ryan, I'm probably starting both those guys. Uh, I am starting both those guys ahead of him. So Justin Herbert for me is the sit. He's not the worst option if you have to, but uh, I definitely think there are better guys. And I, I do think it might, it is worth uh, uh, inquiring on your waiver wire, who else might be out there for week one, uh, just because I do think Washington is going to have such a good defense, but moving on to your sit of the week at running back, Gabby, who you got? Thank you, Sam. My sit of the week is going to be Sir Chris Carson, uh, the running back for the Seattle Seahawks. He, again, is playing the Indianapolis Colts. And the Indianapolis Colts had a the third-ranked defense last year, and they support a front seven of Darius Leonard and DeForest Buckner. And as I mentioned previously, I think this game is going to be a short of a pass, sh- passing shootout. I know both these teams like to say they're going to run the ball, but the weakness of both of their teams is the backfield, not the backfield, the back four. 
Um, so I think that is going to be what both these teams are going to try to exploit and are going to be able to exploit. So Chris Carson, a guy that can catch the ball, but they have Travis Homer. They were able – they somehow kept five running backs on the roster and only four wide receivers. That's why I think Tyler Lockett is also a great play this week. Um, but, yeah, Chris Carson, I think you can start other guys over him if you have a guy such as David Montgomery or Miles Gaskins or even a guy like Kareem Hunt going back to Kansas City. I think Cleveland's going to try to get him involved um, enough in the PPR format to at least make him playable more than Chris Carson. But, again, this is a game where it's week one, so – Unless you have one of those top tier backup RB3s, you're rolling them out there, but just temper expectations and make proper roster adjustments if you need more boom from other positions to compensate for that. Yeah, I think I think that's a really good call. The Indianapolis Colts are a way better defense than I think people give them credit for. Um, and I think Chris Carson is a fairly touchdown dependent player. Um, he's pretty good at getting you a baseline each week. So I think he'll probably get that. Um, so you can, you can be happy with that. If that's what you're looking for, probably a baseline of about nine or 10. Um, but I just don't know if this is the week he gets to that touchdown that he needs to really be um, the very productive running back that you want him to be for fantasy. So I think that's a fairly good call, but like, like you said, I'm not, I'm not out on him. I think he's a flex. I just, I wouldn't want him as my RB two probably, or unless, Unless you don't have really any other options, um, I think he'll probably just be be solid. But yeah, he might. Yeah, he'll just be he'll just be solid this week. But moving on to my sit of the week, I am going with Josh Jacobs. I think he's I think he's been a little bit of an overrated running back in his few years in the NFL. Here, I hate to say that I did love his talent and. Initially, and I still think he has a chance to really be a star in this league, but he just continues to not show it, especially when it really matters around the goal line. He just is, cannot get it done when it matters. And this week they're playing Baltimore. Um, so Baltimore is the top half of the league, rushing defense, and I don't, I don't see them being any worse. Um, last year, Josh Jacobs was only able to get touchdowns in seven of his games, and I don't think it's going to be this week against Baltimore. Um, and he had six weeks with less than 11 fantasy points last year out of his 15. And he's just, he's just not a consistently productive player. Um, he just doesn't get it done week to week. And so if, if he's not going to be getting it done week to week, I think a team that he's definitely not going to get it done against is a team that's as good as Baltimore, a team that I'm high on this year, just in general. Um, and I think they're going to have a solid rushing defense, no worse than last year. Um, so I'm not excited about Josh Jacobs due to his inconsistency. Um, but I do see him in a similar tier as Chris Carson, as we discussed previously. I think that's a good point. Looking at his game log, he seems very matchup dependent. The games that he uh, wasn't able to perform well against are against one of some of the best defenses. Or in, in Atlanta's case, you can just pass against him, pass against them so well. Um, there's no reason to run the ball. So um, great point there, Baltimore. Even with some of the losses they've had uh, with Marcus Peters, they're still going to be one of the best defenses in the league. So I think that's agreed. A good, a good sit. 
Yeah, Josh Jacobs is just so boomer bust for me, which, you know, can be good in some situations, but I'm predicting a bust week this week. So moving on to wide receivers, Gabby, who is your sit of the week this week at wide receiver? My sit of the week at wide receiver is Chase Claypool. Uh, Chase Claypool is uh, the sit of uh, my sit of the week because he is the prototypical player. I wanted my team and I'm stashing, but I need to see it. I wanted to get burned by it one time, and I'm not sad if I get burned by it twice. Um, last year, he was very inconsistent. We saw it. Everybody, anybody that had him last week um, felt the pain. Anybody that played against them felt the glory. I felt like every time I felt, uh, played Chase Claypool, it was one of his down weeks. And we just don't know what the Pittsburgh – I think the Pittsburgh offense is going to look good. But we just don't know outside of Deontay Johnson and Najee Harris, we just we don't know what their real potential or what or what the target share is gonna look like. So I wanna see it first. I wanna see Chase Claypool uh be in more than 70% of the plays. I think that would be a really good start, or 75% of the plays. If he starts doing that, I think that's gonna be a really good sign for him. But until that starts happening, I think I'm fading him. I think Juju Smith is a better option in PPR just because Ben has a bigger rapport, better rapport with him. He's the underneath route. And last year we saw when when Big Ben was in trouble, he looked for Juju. Juju had 128 targets last year, 97 receptions. The average depth of reception was pretty low. I don't know how you have 97 receptions and only 831 yards, but um, he was able to do that. And I just don't think Chase Claypool is going to be able to take that over in game one versus Buffalo. I think they're going to go back to what they know. See, I peek under the curtain here where we're going next was my wide receiver of the week, which is actually Juju Smith-Schuster. So, just a different wide receiver on the same team. Uh, But I think the reason I have that is I think that Juju Smith-Schuster is the third most talented receiver on this roster. I think that his role last year that you talked about with the targets, I think the team wanted Deontay Johnson to take that role. Deontay Johnson had some drop problems last year. We all know it. He got actually benched last year against Buffalo for drops. So there's that fear that maybe he doesn't take over the role. But I do think that the team wanted Deontay Johnson to take over that role, and he just didn't. But I think another year under his belt, I think this is going to be Deontay Johnson's year to take over that role and be the pass catcher, the go-to guy when they're just looking to get some yards, just get a catch. I think so Juju loses that, in my opinion, this year. And I think that the big play guy is clearly going to be Claypool, who is vastly superior physically Uh, to the other two options when it comes to a guy who you can have go down the field and make big plays. I don't think Juju's as good as Claypool at that. Um, So I think Juju is going to be the odd man out of this group. And I'm not saying that Juju will not be fairly productive for fantasy this year. Uh, I'm not super high on him, but I'm not saying he's going to be worthless. Uh, I just think he's going to be the third best player to own on this team. And Chase Claypool, I think, will have some weeks where he doesn't do much for you. 
Um, this week I could definitely see being one of those weeks. Uh, Buffalo is a sneaky good defense. They were top 10 against wide receivers in fantasy last year. Um, so I do think that they're a team that's better than people give them credit for. And I think they're, they're one of the better teams just in the league this year. And I, I would imagine their defense probably gets better. Um, so Claypool maybe doesn't get that big play, but I'd feel better betting on one big play than uh, Juju getting a lot of targets. I'm a little bit nervous about Deontay Johnson this week even. I think, like I said, he still will be that go-to guy for them or will become that go-to guy for them, and I think that's going to start this week. So I'm still confident in playing all um, all Pittsburgh receivers, really, other than Juju Smith-Schuster this week, um, just because I do think he is going to be that third guy. And I think that Chase Claypool is a little bit more iffy this week, but I think that there's at best going to be two guys who are productive and I think those two guys this week are going to be Deontay Johnson and Chase Claypool. I think Juju Smith-Schuster is just not going to be able to get the work this week. I think that's a fair point, Sam. All right. Moving to tight ends. We got your tight ends of the week, Abby. Almost to the end, but who we got here? Mm, tight end here. It's going to be Noah Fant. Uh, he's playing – the New York Giants here, one of the tougher defenses in the NFL. And I think that Teddy Bridgewater is going to be looking at his short, his short and intermediate routes. We know Teddy Bridgewater is one of the weaker arms in the league. I think he's going to be looking for more of the Jerry Judy routes. No offense, more of a down-the-field tight end. Uh, and I think – I just think here there are better options. He's also questionable this week with a knee injury, but actually practiced fully today. So looks like he is going to be a full go here, but I just think there's going to be better options. Like I stated earlier, I think my tight, my tight end starter of the week is going to be a better option. I think starting a guy like John Smith would be a better option. I think starting a guy such as, all those mid back end tight end ones, such as Zacherts or even Dallas Goddard, both of those guys would be better options than Noah Fant. Um, and I think you, if you had one of those top six tight ends, you're obviously starting him. And if you got Noah Fant, there's a good chance that you got another tight end as well. And I think there's a 75% chance that that tight end is going to be better than Noah Fant. I definitely think that Noah Fant is a really, really risky play this week. Um, I think the only reason you would play him is if you think you need a tight end to get you um, a fairly solid amount of points. Uh, but I think you're risking risking Noah Fant getting you zero. I think if there's no need to use him this week, they probably won't push it. He is, like you mentioned, coming off the injury. Um, and he's been banged up this year and last year, so I don't think they're necessarily going to push it. And I do think the Giants are bad enough that even a team that is not a top tier like the Broncos, I, I think they actually have a pretty pretty good defense. Um, I think a team that might not be considered the top tier, though, like the Broncos, is still a team that's not going to struggle too mightily with the Giants. I think the Giants are going to be fairly poor this year, um, unless Danny Dimes is able to make a big leap. So I would only play Noah Fant if you were thinking of you really need some points if maybe you uh, maybe you played Amari Cooper this week and now you're already down and you need a you need a big boost. Maybe you I would play Noah Fant in that circumstance potentially. 
over guys like Zach Ertz and Dallas Goddard. But if you're feeling pretty comfortable about the rest of your matchup and you're looking for a baseline, I'm probably going with the guys that you said, Gabby, um, is just to make sure you get your points and you don't have anybody lose your your week because no fan could get you a big fat zero. But moving on to my tight end sit of the week, and this guy is just a guy that I I think there's there's only like seven tight ends that I think people are pretty pretty comfortable with uh, on a week to week basis. So this is just a guy that I think is somebody that people might be considering. Obviously, don't come at me saying that I, I thought he was the top guy that I'm saying don't start this week. I'm not saying that. I just think he's a guy that's in consideration for a lot of people, and I'm telling you, don't play him. Mike Gusecki. They're playing New England this week, um, and New England, I think, is going to have a really good defense this year, and I think it's going to be a fairly low-scoring game, and I think that Tua is not that great of a quarterback, so I am not that high on Miami pass catchers in general. I think that if anybody you're playing anybody from Miami this week, it's going to be Miles Gaskin, who's a guy we're going to talk about a little bit in the a little bit later, but I'm not high on the, on any. Miami pass catcher and uh, Mike Gusecki is a guy that I think people might be considering out there. And I'm telling you that there are better options. Basically anybody we've mentioned to tight end so far today um, is probably a better option than Mike Gusecki for me this week. Um, But, you know, he is always one of those guys that um, could just get you a touchdown and be fine. So I'm not playing Mike Gusecki no matter what this week. And I'm telling you that I think you should do the same. Okay. That's a fair point with the New England defense. One of the better defenses in the league. Uh, Donta Hightower, um, the McCourty brothers, uh, all back. I think that's a very good uh, pick. Um, I would definitely one of those offenses that I'm interested in monitoring, but I want to see how they do in week one. But I think I want to see how they do in week two because I think it's going to be tough in week one and they're going to look bad without Will Fuller. I don't know if it's very fair to grade them without their best, if not one of their better receivers. I am not as high on Will Fuller as you are, um, but that's a, that's a conversation for another day. But uh, I think the Dolphins will be extremely mediocre, and because of that, I'm not interested in their tight end, especially in this game against New England. But moving on to our next segment here, possibly our most exciting, I would say, is our season-long sleepers, guys that we think you might want to target as guys that are going to do better than their ADP, better than people are expecting this year. Maybe some guys that aren't going to be in the top 10, maybe some guys that are below the top 20 that we think are going to be there or in maybe the top 15. Uh, Just some guys that we think are going to finish better than people are expecting. Um, So to start off with, Gabby, who's number one? Uh, My number one guy is going to be Michael Pittman. Um, this guy is again my starter of the week, but he's also going to be my guy who's going to come in, finish over his ADP. Um, he's a wide receiver that's going in the 30s right now, but I think that ADP hasn't been fully adjusted. People aren't fully adjusted to the fact that T.Y. Hutton's going to be out for the, at least the first four games with the disc injury and. The Colts were trying to integrate Michael Pittman and have him be the wide receiver one anyway. And I think this is just going to be the opening to more. With Carson Wentz finally back into the fold, 
Michael Pittman's going to be able to step forward and be that target for Frank Reich, Frank Reich's offense that he needs that running go offense, run first offense, but with the weak, uh, the weak side um, quarterbacks that Seahawks have, I think Michael Pittman is going to have a really good season. I pick, I'm trying to pick him up in all leagues trade for him. Cause I think his trade cost is way lower than his, actual end of season cost by now candidate if Agreed. He's and I, I would definitely definitely pick him up i was gonna say i do think he is out there on a fair amount of waiver wires and and the thing that i think is so amazing about michael Pittman this week as a start and just as a guy you're stashing on your roster as well is that you are gonna know if he's gonna be involved i mean you're gonna know that week one Maybe at week two because they're gonna you're gonna know who they're gonna be throwing it to. It's there's not it's not like you he's a guy that people are maybe waiting on to come on throughout the year. It's this is a hole that needs to be filled, a, a hole a void of targets. Who's gonna fill it? And Michael Pittman is in, in the leader uh, is the leader right now for that. So um, I think he's a great pick just because of his circumstance and how fast you'll know. Um, if he's going to be a breakout and the fact that we both do think he's a good receiver on with a good quarterback on a, on a good team. So, all right, moving on to my first uh, season long sleeper here is a guy that I'm really, really high on uh, Darnell Mooney. Now I'm not saying he's going to be a top 10 guy, but I do think he could end up finishing in the top 15 or 20. Um, and I wouldn't be surprised by that. He's going into his second year, and there's a lot of chatter this year about breakout guys in their second year. And he's the one that I think is being talked about the least. Um, but he got f- five or more targets in all but four of his games as a rookie, and two of those times were his first and second game. So after that, they were looking for him. And you might say, oh, but his quarterback might be Andy Dalton or his quarterback quarterback might be Justin Fields, and you might not be a believer in either of those guys. But – he had Mitch Trubisky and he had Nick Foles and they didn't do anything. And that's why they couldn't decide who to start ever. So it's not like he's going into a worse QB situation, at least in my opinion. Um, So I still think he's going to be getting targets. They had a guy that they thought was going to be their breakout number two in Chicago, Anthony Miller. They just traded him to Houston. So there's a hole there for number two and Darnell Mooney is there to fill it. He already started last year. And I think he's under an underrated guy who is going to be very good for fantasy, especially PPR, because I think he's going to get targeted, targeted a lot. Um, and over the last nine weeks of his rookie season, he scored over eight points all but one time. So he's already starting to prove that he can do it. And that was on a team that I think was potentially even worse last year, that Chicago team. Um, so I'm high on Darnell Mooney. One last stat, he caught at least four passes last year, all but three times. He's a good player. He's a very good player. I encourage you, if he is available, to pick him up. You could probably trade for him very cheap. He's not a well-known player. But Darnell Mooney is being looked at every single week by his quarterbacks. And they changed last year, as I mentioned. So it's not just one quarterback that likes him. He's – He's being looked for and he's being utilized 
And he's proven to the Bears already that he can make plays. He can be a consistent wide receiver. Now this is his year to really take that on and break out for fantasy. So Darnell Mooney for me, season-long sleeper, a guy I'm very high on. Nice. I think that's a very good pick with the the Bears offense really going to explode here, I think. And the fact that he was open all the time last year, I watched him, found myself watching a lot of Bears games. Um, I had a lot of Allen Robinson, I think, last year, but they were throwing the ball to Darnell Mooney way too much, way more than you would like as an Allen Robinson fan. I mean, he still got his own, but Darnell was, he was always open. He was just the fast guy, the guy that broke the top off and with better quarterback play and no real added of adding of weapons this year and Darnell Mooney entering year two, a year that we know that wide receivers like to break out in. I think it's a great end of season um, ad and he's not, I think he's is around like the 50% mark in, in ads right now, if I'm not mistaken. I would imagine so. Yeah, he is. He he got an insane amount of targets last year. Um, yeah, ninety-eight did, targets. That yeah, for a, his rookie, and like I said, his two worst weeks were at the beginning, so he only went up from there. It's just an insane amount of targets. I cannot believe he's so underhyped. Um, I think it's all due to the quarterback, personally. So I just think if you have any belief in Justin Fields and Andy Dalton, you need to be getting Darnell Mooney. That is correct. That is correct. All right. Gabby, what other season-long sleepers do you got for us? Um, the other season-long sleeper that I have for you today is going to be at – I think it's going to be it. Yeah. That's all you're going to – that's the only one? Yeah, that's the only one I got for you guys today. Okay. I got a couple more I want to – or didn't mean to interrupt you. No, nothing for me here, actually. Okay, cool. I am ready to go with a couple more. One guy, another bear, is uh, probably not a sleeper. This is probably unfair that I'm counting him as a sleeper, to be honest. But, you know, what we're going to say I called it as a sleeper. (laughs) (laughs) David Montgomery is a guy that – is good and people are recognizing is good he's being drafted fairly highly in drafts but i still think he's being undervalued david montgomery was very good especially at the end of the year last year and i and he's the only guy that they're going to give the ball to in a team that's going to be run first there's no way they're going to be a pass first team with andy dalton or justin fields as their quarterback I just think that David Montgomery is going to be leaned on and leaned on heavily by Chicago. And, and I think that he's proven last year that he is able to take on that role in his last six weeks. These are his fantasy finishes going from week 12 to week 17, 25 points, 27, 24, 29, 20, and 28 dominated if you had him and you were a playoff team you very likely used him to take you to the championship he had a very 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 good end of season last year and i don't see why they would stop granted they did have some pretty 
pretty easy matchups in there. They did play Jacksonville, Minnesota, and Houston, and Detroit in there. But they also played Green Bay twice. And he's also put up good numbers against Tampa Bay, who is arguably the best rushing defense in the, in the, in the NFL. Um, maybe not, but arguably. And he's put up solid numbers against teams like New Orleans and the Rams. So I think he's proven that he can get it done, even in a good matchup. And I think he can really dominate in the poor ones. So uh, David Montgomery, I'm saying he's a good trade target. Get him now while before he breaks out. I think that's a good that's a good choice. Um, people think that he broke out last year because it was a weak schedule, but I think it was, it was his time. People, if you see him in college, he was a very good running back, and Chicago has shown that they're going to give him the ball, and when the offense is running through him, they, they're able to move the ball effectively. And with the rookie quarterback eventually coming in, um, you're not going to want him to throw the ball 40 times. So they're, they're going to give David Montgomery these touches. Derek Cohen on IR early. I think that's a great early target, and it's going to pay off for you a lot in the, uh, later on. All right, and then I have one last guy I wanted to bring up for you. He's a guy that I think – um, he's a guy that is also known, but not quite as well known, I think, as David Montgomery, but a guy that I'm sure people already know and are considering. But I just want to tell you um, and hopefully bring you more confidence. Uh, Miles Gaskin, he was banged up a lot last year, but he was still a very good running back. In the games he did play, he had fantasy points going 10, 14, 14, 9, 20, 16, 12, 13, 33, and 17. That is not a single week where he screwed you over. Now for a running back that's on the fringes of the top 20, the top 30, that's really great because you can find a lot of guys who potentially might screw you over. So Miles Gaskin is a guy that I think has a really high floor with also very high ceiling because I think he's going to dominate that Miami role. Hopefully he stays healthy this year. Like I mentioned, he it was banged up last year, which is why I think he there was other guys in the mix, and he didn't obviously produce as well because he missed quite a few games. He missed six games last year. Uh, but I think that he, if he can stay healthy this year, has a very high upside. He'll be a week-to-week contributor, contributor for you. Um, and not to mention his baseline, like I mentioned earlier, excuse me, said that weird, but his baseline, like I mentioned earlier, he's got every single game that he played in, he did not get less than four targets, which is a great passing baseline for a running back. He's involved in the passing game. He's not game script dependent. He's going to be there when they're winning. He's going to be there when they're losing. He's going to be running the ball when they're, when they're up and he'll be getting the ball in the pass game when they're down. So no matter what happens to Miami, he'll be used. And those passing, those targets in PPR, is going to get you to your baseline. So, um, and his targets could increase once Tua takes over. And now that Tua has taken over the role full time, he's not going to be looking as far downfield or his downfield as often as uh, Fitzpatrick was. So, I think if anything, uh, Gaskin increases his targets. Targets, and I would also say that if anything, there's no other talent added over the off season to challenge for that role. Uh, which I think is a vote of confidence by Miami for Miles. So I'm very high on Miles. I think he's a top 15, top 20 at least 
running back. I think he's very safe. I think he's very safe with high upside. Um, and I don't think people see him as safe. So um, I think he's going to be a guy that breaks out and opens people's eyes this year and has a potential to break into the top 10. Not that I'm projecting that, but he does for sure have that potential. I think that's a valid point, Sam. And I also have one more breakout that I uh, glossed over here on my notes, um, if you don't mind. I do not. Uh, Elijah Moore, the wide receiver from New York. Um, he is the second rounder out of Old Miss 5'8", speedy guy. And I think he's the answer to New York's problems. He has an opportunity to be wide receiver one, if not wide receiver two in an offense that I think is going to have to pass the ball a lot given their given game script they're going to be down a lot uh zach wilson looked like in the preseason he has a live arm elijah didn't play a lot so Corey davis was the guy getting a lot of hybrid targets but if you read a lot of camp buzz and a lot of things reports coming out elijah moore was the guy buzzing and right now if you if he's on waivers you should get him and if you can trade for him he he really isn't going to cost much. And I, th- I think if you have some bench pieces that you think you can throw at him or, or a piece that you're just – maybe you, you thought you were high on him, but some information changed from drafting and you're a little bit lower on him now. Elijah Moore is the guy to get. I think he has a real chance to be a top 36 wide receiver, be a guy that you depend on in your flex lineup each week or guy that you depend on in bench lineups or in tough situations and good matchups. I think, uh, I think Elijah Moore is a great pick. Uh, one thing I did want to clarify, I think you might've accidentally misspoke. He is five ten, not five eight. Um, just wanted to make sure we put that out there because I was thinking when I heard five, eight, I was a little bit scared. He was a little too small. So I just wanted to make sure that we told everybody he is five ten. I'm, I'm sure you just misspoke. Um, and, He's yeah, he's just a little bigger than that, which is great because five eight is a little small. It's a little nerve wracking, but five ten is the same height as Antonio Brown, so we're chilling there. Uh, but yeah, I think he's a great pick, and he's very similar to what we mentioned about uh, Michael Pittman, where there is a target hole. Somebody is going to have to be the number one receiver there. Yeah, it's the Jets. They're not going to be great probably, but um, somebody's going to have to catch the ball. They're still an NFL team. They are still going to be playing games. They are not going to be that abysmal where there is nobody worth uh, that is useful for fantasy. So Elijah Moore is an excellent pick. I think you could also say um, for dynasty, I definitely do Elijah Moore, but I think in a redraft uh, along the same lines is another New York Jets wide receiver, Corey Davis. I think we've already seen that his ceiling. So he doesn't quite have that same ceiling as Elijah Moore, but I think if you're interested in capitalizing on that Jets, uh, Jets passing game. I think those are the two guys to pick. And I definitely think Elijah Moore has a higher ceiling and higher upside than Corey Davis for sure. Nice. And uh, so that concludes our season long sleeper section here. The last couple of things here, we had a quick question from Gabby. Uh, wanted to talk about Kyler Murray and the Arizona offense. And then we'll go to our last thing, the defensive streamers, but Gabby, what did you want to talk about in regards to the Arizona offense here? Uh, I just wanted to talk about – I was coming up with a problem in a lot of drafts, and I do a lot of betting, so I betted a lot of the games out this year, and I had 
Arizona winning about five games this year. And I think Colin Murray's going to lead the league in passing yards. But I just looking at it, I'm not sure who's going to catch. I have him passing for about 5,000 yards. And I don't know who's going to catch about the other 3,200 outside of D-Hop. So my question to you, Sam, is who's the wide receiver that you want outside of DeAndre Hopkins in that offense? That's a great question. And I, I do think it's a little murky out there. But I think a guy that had a lot of hype at the end of last season and has gone completely under the radar now due to some, I think, the offseason moves made by Arizona and the guy that I'm going to select for this is Christian Kirk. Now, the big problem with the Arizona passing offense is there's a lot of draft capital invested in it, as well as just some free agents and just some guys that they that are pretty good. So, I mean, of course, DeAndre Hopkins is going to be the number one. They, they've signed A.J. Green in the offseason, and they drafted Christian Kirk, Rondell Moore, and Andy, and Andy Isabella all with fairly high draft capital. So I don't think that there's a clear top three or top two or even a clear top four. I don't think they've given up on Andy Isabella. I think you should as a fantasy owner. I think everybody should give up on Andy Isabella now. But um, Rondell Moore, definitely a guy that I think they would like to see get out there and at least get some touches. A.J. Green, I mean, they signed him for a reason. I don't expect him to be a, a stud, but I expect him to take away from Christian Kirk, and, and I expect him, A.J. Green, Rondell Moore, and Andy Isabella to all take away from Christian Kirk's um, potential catches. But Christian Kirk, he does have the ability to be a, a good fantasy option. The problem is he just didn't do it last year necessarily. He had some good games, and he was on the field a lot, but he just didn't get it done for fantasy. Um, he was on the field for more than 75% of the snaps since week 10 and he only had one game where he scored over 10 fantasy points. Uh, so I'm just not super high on him being the clear guy. And I think it's just going to be murky all year personally. Um, so I would say that if, if I had to pick somebody, Christian Kirk, and I think he's a guy that you could use as you could, you could take a flyer on. Uh, but I think we've mentioned more than a few guys already today. That would be, more more appealing than Christian Kirk. But if Kyler Murray does end up passing for 5,000 yards and is somehow the quarterback one um, through the air, then Christian Kirk is going to have to have had a pretty good year. Either that or A.J. Green is going to be really surprising me. So um, I I think AJ, Christian Kirk is with, worth a look. And I definitely think he's worth an ad in really deep leagues, like maybe a dynasty league. I think he's for sure worth an ad there, especially if you do believe in the Arizona offense or at least believe in the team being bad where the offense will have to work, uh, be on the field a lot. Um, Personally, I'm out on Christian Kirk just due to how busy I think that that wide receiver room is. And I think the only guy that I'm really feeling confident at this point is going to be DeAndre Hopkins. And while I see a path for Christian Kirk to make it to the clear number two in fantasy relevance, I don't think you're going to be able to find out if he's going to be fantasy relevant for weeks from now. Whereas players like um, Michael Pittman, you're going to know probably this week at 
the latest the week after, whether or not he's going to be good for fantasy, worth having on your roster. Whereas Christian Kirk, it could be a couple weeks. He might do good one week, not the next, and might not be clear for a while. So Christian Kirk is not a guy that I'm super high on. I don't think it's going to clear up whether when you're going to be able to use him anytime soon. So I'm not stashing him in too many leagues, but maybe in something super deep. But I do see Kyler Murray popping off potentially yardage-wise, um, or in a lot of ways, but specifically in yardage, um, passing yardage. And I just don't think that there's going to be a guy you're going to be able to nail down as Arizona's number two, but I do think it will be Christian Kirk. All right. I'll take that into consideration, Sam. Yeah, and he was out in week 17 last year, but he did see over 80% of the snaps in his last six games. So that's the only thing that is really, really positive is that Cliff Kingsbury did want Christian Kirk out there last year. Now, like I said, AJ Green, Rondell Moore added, but there was Larry Fitzgerald last year. So they did at least want Christian Kirk out on the field more as the year went on last year. So that's the one good thing about Christian Kirk. All right. My final thing that we had to touch on here. I appreciate you all joining us. Um, but the last thing that I wanted to touch on is just defensive streamers. Each week, I just want to be able to tell you a couple a couple teams that I think are probably good defensive streamers for you. So I'm just going to tell you my top five defenses this week because it's still so early. I'll, I'll avoid the obvious ones, but it's so early that most teams are still considered streamers, I would say. But to begin with, um, 49ers are my number one ranked defense versus Detroit this week. They're probably not a streamer. I don't think I need to say much. They're a really good defense that was just banged up last year, and uh, I'm not super high on Jared Goff and the rest of the Lions. Number two, Denver Broncos versus the Giants. We talked about the Giants probably struggling this year. Um, Danny Dimes would have to make a super big leap this year for the Giants to be really potent on offense. The Broncos, I still think, have a good defense. Um, Number three, Vikings versus Cincinnati. I'm thinking Joe, Joe Burrow is maybe a little bit uh, hesitant in his return to the field since that brutal injury last year. Vikings, I think, are going to have at least a solid defense, and I expect Cincinnati to struggle and the Vikings to be a solid choice. Number four, I think the Panthers versus the defense versus the Jets. The Jets, I think, are going to be a little better than maybe people might expect, but I don't think they'll be too much of a hassle for a good Panthers defense, in my opinion, and an underrated team in general this year, I think, out there in Carolina. Um, so I think Carolina will handle them. Um, I expect probably a couple, a pick or two from Zach Wilson, and I'm sure the Jets will do something like fumble or something else, you know, um, make it easier <laughs> on the Panthers. So Panthers. And then my last one, a team that I think could pop off, the Chargers, um, are playing the Washington. Um, I would pick Washington's defense in this situation just because I think Washington's so good uh, of a defense and uh, they, I think, will be pretty good season long, especially with their very poor division. Um, so you might get them here, but like I just mentioned, the Chargers, I think they have a good offense uh, potentially or the ability to put up good offensive numbers. I don't know how consistent it'll be, but that would concern me just a little bit, and that's why I have them ranked fifth this week. But I would say Washington's still a good, a good streamer. Um, Gabby, did you have anything to add about anything before we go? Um, no, I think you had some pretty good, pretty good defenses there. Um, another one I like is New England. 
um, if you hadn't said that. Uh, they play Miami this week. I think Miami's going to struggle a lot. And next week they play uh, the Jets. Um, that's going to be a good back-to-back matchup there. New England is a, a great defensive ad this week. And in general, just they would be my number six this week. So I am <laughs> I'm fully, fully with you there. So <laughs> there, yeah, can't disagree. Uh, anything else you wanted to add before we go? No, I just wanted to thank everybody for uh, taking the time to listen to our second episode. Yeah, and uh, I wanted to thank you, Gabby, for joining me. Thank everybody for listening. Um, I hope we didn't disappoint. We will be creating a listener questions email soon here. We'll get that out to everybody. Um, And hopefully you guys can submit some questions in the future. But we will have our next episode up next week. Plan is to have it up earlier than we are this week. This week's episode should go up on Friday, being recorded on Thursday, September 9th. Um, But again, thank you all and have a good rest of your night. Yeah.